1: And today is July 14th, 2021. We're going to be continuing on with reading Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. We'll be on pages 72 through 86. And this is Chapter 6, uh, Oath and Covenant of the Priesthood. I hope that there's not too much background noise. I cannot get my heater to turn off in my truck. And it is hot. And there is no excuse for this because this is a newer truck. I don't know what's going on. It was raining here earlier today like mad. Uh, In fact, my daughter had a baseball game canceled in price tonight because of the rain and flooding on the field. So it was like hailing. My daughter was like, it's snowing. I'm, I'm like, no, that's hell. But, Dad, it's snowing. No, that's called hell. It's not snow. It was ridiculous. When I was getting into my truck tonight, my pants got soaked. I had a coat on, and that got soaked. I mean, it was coming down pretty hard. So, Anyway, uh, my son and my wife and all of my daughters are in Emory County, but they're not quite home yet because my wife went to Walmart first to get some boxes so that she could pack up a bunch of stuff. We have a contractor coming over tomorrow to uh start the fixing of the thing. so there's my wife. Let me just unmute her line here. Hello, hi, ben. this is Emmett. you make a home. This is the, this hello is
0: Emmett.
1: Emmett. Hello We're on ghost the way. Master. Home. <laughs> I know you're on the way home. You probably tried to call into the host line too, huh.
2: Like four times, but it kept saying call failed, call ended and it kept not
1: saying. I know saying that's anything why I me. did it. <laughs> so I saw you guys right as you were getting into Emory County, going north uh south out of out of Carbon County. And I was like, There they go. Yeah. They're not gonna be ready. <laughs> oh, anyway, um so where you at? well actually don't tell me where you're at. I don't wanna give away where we live so um, can I say the mile marker herbalist. no you can't stop and shut up so just to explain for the listener why I don't like it when people know where I live is because we get death threats and we get people throwing bricks at us and we get all kinds of different threats Okay, so Emma, you will shut your mouth as to where we are, where we live, or anything about any of the area. I will tell people that we live in Emory County, and that is as far as it is going to go, unless I know you personally. And even then, you might not know, because I'm in... And, uh, well... (sighs) Well, Joseph Smith had a lot of people come into his life that were like, they seemed to be friends... And then they became bitter enemies and, uh, we get the same thing. So, uh, so yeah, I'm just not going to tell people where I live. Uh, if they make, uh, an effort to come to Emory County, uh, I will meet you. And, uh, if you want baptism, which is something that I offer, uh, we will meet you at designated places in Salt Lake County or, uh. Utah County, uh, even uh, in Carbon County, but I just am not willing to take the chance to let people know where we live, because uh, I've already learned a lesson with that. So, anyway, I'm going to be reading Olsen Covenant, the Holy Priesthood, Volume 6. Are you guys home yet?
2: Um, We can almost see the chimney.
1: Okay. You can almost see the chimney. All right. Um, oh, this sucks. Because I'm pulling up to the Grizz right now. You know, I moved the show from 6 to 8 to help out, like, with making sure people could be home. And then I moved to 8.30 because there were issues with people getting home on time. And now it's 8.30 and people are still not home on time, so I don't know what to do with that. Um, are you... Do, is mom there?
2: Uh, mom is here but she can't hear
1: you. <laughs> oh, you have the uh earbuds in.
2: I have my headset on so that you can only hear me and not Arius who is messing around in Olivia. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um while they're getting home, I'm just gonna play something called Intro to Torah. 2021 because i gotta get out of the truck i can't hold this line up so and you guys aren't ready to read yet so i'm just gonna play this it's only eight minutes and 39 seconds and i will be back in the truck and hopefully you guys will be home and ready to read um let me dedicate the program before i start oh god the eternal father we come to thee in the name of thy son Yeshua our messiah we thank thee father for The technology to where we can do this radio show And I can keep my job and make money for the family And I'm thankful for my health And for the health of my family And uh, for all of our many blessings Uh, We love thee, Father And we dedicate this time unto thee And we do these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah Even Jesus Christ, amen 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 The Record of the Second Annual Restoration Torah Conference of the Zarahemla Foundation. For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of Jehovah from Jerusalem. Shavuot 2021, The Torah and Other Hebraicisms in the Book of Mormon. Dedication to the Lord of the Vineyard and to all the branches of the restoration. May you bring forth good fruit in the place you have grown, and may you never forget that it is not given to the branches to decide which should be kept and which pruned. It is the Lord of the vineyard who will declare it. Copyright 2021 by the Zarahemla Foundation All rights reserved. Any part of this book may be reprinted or published, in part or in whole, so long as the user reprints the text exactly as written. The source of this text is cited, and the user is not republishing or copying this material to get financial gain. The authors and the articles in this book maintain full rights to their own words and ideas. The opinions of the conference presenters are their own. The Restoration Torah Conference and the Zarahemla Foundation make no claims to represent the Community of Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or any other entity. Additional copies may be obtained by sending an email to Restoration Torah Conference at gmail.com. The record of the second annual Restoration Torah Conference of the Zarahemwehr Foundation, Shavuot 2021, The Torah and Other Hebra- Hebraicisms in the Book of Mormon, printed in the United States of America by Old Pioneer Press, 97 West Main Street. Santa Utah, 84655, 801 609 Preface. The Torah and the Book of Mormon are intimately connected, and in this year's Restoration Torah Conference, with the theme, The Torah and Other Hebraicisms in the Book of Mormon, is an exciting way to explore the relationship between them one of the earliest stories in the Book of Mormon certainly links them. Lehi is commanded by the Lord to send his sons to get the brass plates which plates contain the Torah among other things. See first Nephi chapter 5 verses 10 through 14. In this way, the people of the Book of Mormon were sure to have the Torah with them as they left their organized religion and journeyed eastward to the Promised Land. Latter-day Saints from all flavors of the Restoration were invited to participate in the conference. So this written record of the proceedings contains a variety of ideas from a wide spectrum of Speaker, writers, I love, re- I love reading other people's insights and find it wonderful that we can learn from each other. The ways we live the gospel, no doubt, differ from Latter-day Saint to Latter-day Saint. So we will almost certainly find conclusions within these pages that conflict not only with each other, but with our own beliefs. I pray we, never, we are never too complacent and that we remain open to ways we can improve and follow our Savior more closely. I could give many examples of the ways I, I've had to repent and turn to the Lord. And yet I firmly believe I was also blessed in my earlier efforts. The Lord doesn't wait for us to reach perfection before giving us his spirit and taking us by the hand to lead us back to him. The life is in, our life is indeed a journey, journey eastward to the promised land. Throughout the Book of Mormon, we find the theme of record-keeping. With the word "write" or writ or record, or a derivative, found over 500 times in the Book of Mormon. In one story, when the resurrected Jesus visits the Nephites, he tells Nephi, Bring forth the record which ye have kept. 3 Nephi chapter 23, verse 7. After Jesus points out a gap in the record, he reminds them of an important event and wants to know, how be it that ye have not written this thing? Verse 11. In fact, that entire chapter in Third Nephi is all about scriptures, writings, and the importance of good ref- record-keeping, and is one of the many instances emphasized, emphasizing having written, written records. The book you hold in your hand is part of the written record kept by the Zarahemla Foundation of the Restoration Torah Conference held in May of 2021. There are also plans to share video recordings of the proceedings. The conference has been held annually in Lehigh, Utah, a city named after the first Book of Mormon prophet who was given a commandment about records. If you would like to participate in future conferences, whether by speaking, writing an article, volunteering, attending, donating, or simply watching the live stream, please keep in touch using the website restorationtourconference.org and the email address conference at gmail.com. The conference is scheduled to be held the days immediately preceding the Feast of Shavuot or Pentecost. May the Lord bless each of us, our families, and our communities to come unto him. Charlotte Erickson, May 11, 2021 Table of Contents, Day 1, Friday, May 21st, 2021 Morning, Benjamin Schaefer, page 1. Nathan Dilts, page 20. Jonathan Felt, page 32. Afternoon, Joshua Erickson, page 43. Joshua Jessup, page 70. Melanie Melton, page 75. Gene Hadlock, page 88. Day 2, Saturday, May twenty-second, two 2021. Morning. Michael Mitchell, page 105. Eric Jensen, page 120. Enoch Foster, page 143. Afternoon. David Patrick, page 157. Anna... Net, page one seventy four. Taylor Smith, page two zero three. Robert K, page two twenty three. Okay, that was the introduction to the Shavuot conference or Pentecost conference of two thousand and twenty one. Uh, Pretty good meeting. I really enjoy the Zara Hemlis Foundation. They're having a meeting this week in Lehigh, Utah, on the 18th, I think it is. I think it's on Sunday. And uh, I wish I could go. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could go to all of the things. I wish I could go to the kickball game between ex-Mormons and fundamentalists. But I can't because I have other obligations and that's the way it is. Anyway, I met, uh, uh are you there? Yeah. Kim, are sure. you there?
2: Hi. Hello, Goat Master. <laughs> I don't know. It says she's on the studio.
1: Well, yeah, she's on the studio and you both rode in the same vehicle, so where is she?
3: Mom, why are you hiding?
2: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I ran inside, grabbed my tablet, and got to the studio and got the book. Okay,
1: so you're on page 67. Oh, no, 72.
2: Yeah, 72, Chapter 6.
3: Am I unmuted? Now you are. Yes, you're unmuted. Okay.
2: Hi. Hello, Queen
1: of the Goats.
3: Hi, so um, I am getting a whole bunch of things ready because tomorrow we have people who are coming to uh, look at things that need to be fixed. So we are trying to get things ready, but... Just like he has to drive, I have other things I have to have done, too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Go ahead and get yourself. And uh, Emma, can you just start reading, please?
2: Sure. Okay. Thanks. Um, so we are on page 72 of chapter, or not chapter, volume two of Entry to right the Nations, uh, we're on page 960 in that book, but of the volume, in the volume, Fully uh, Priesthood, Volume 6, we're on page 72, Chapter 6, Oath and Covenant of Priesthood. The covenant concerns two persons. Both parties must do something to make the covenant effective. That principle is in full operation in the Oath and Covenant of the Priesthood. He who receives the priesthood covenant to magnify his calling in the priesthood, um, that makes the covenant valid. That is too often forgotten. Evidences and Reconciliation, Woodstow, page 253. When a man receives the holy priesthood, he receives more than just its authority. He accepts the oath and covenant attached thereto. Therefore, all those who receive the priesthood receive this oath and covenant of my father. B.N.C. 8440. However, the oath and covenant do not apply to all orders of priesthood, as Joseph Smith explained. The third order is what is called the Levitical priesthood, consisting of priests to administer the outward ordinance. Made without an oath. But the priesthood of Melchizedek is made by an oath and covenant, D.H.C. 5, 555. So first of all, let's define these legal terms of oath and covenant. Oath, an external pledge or assertion made in verification of statements made or to be made. Oath of allegiance, oath by which a particular person promises and binds himself to bear allegiance to a particular sovereign or government. Black's Law Dictionary, page 840. We're on page 73. Anything to say, anyone?
1: Yeah, uh, these are still important. I know a lot of people think that for some reason God took the Melchizedek priesthood off the earth, which he never said he did. Uh, they imply that because Jesus tells them, uh, tells Joseph Smith to build a temple in his name, where the Most High can come to other and that somehow, uh, well, that the Most High had to restore the fullness of the priesthood, which had been taken away. Um, and they assume that that means that the fullness of the priesthood is the Melchizedek priesthood, and, the, um, <clears throat> and it had been taken away from the church, and he doesn't say that. Jesus does not say that. The fullness of the priesthood had not yet been restored to the earth. God wanted to redeem Zion. Everything that they, that needed to happen was there in Nauvoo, and uh, all of the rules and laws and everything, everything was ready to go. All they had to do was build a temple where the Father could come dwell therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. Now, in order to come into the presence of the Most High, and Jesus is always speaking in the third person here, and he's always saying he has to do it. Build a temple for the Most High to come to therein. Well, the Most High is not Jesus. The Most High is the Father, where he had to come. Now, you cannot come into the presence of the Father Unless you have the Melchizedek priesthood. The fullness of the priesthood is not the Melchizedek priesthood. At least not the one that you get by the laying on of hands by a man in authority. The only way you get the fullness of the priesthood is to get it from the Father himself. That's it. There's no other way. And the only reason I know anything about this is because I could not have had my experience with the Father and the Son who I did see face to face. I embraced them in their, well, I was translated or I don't know what you call it, but I um, I was there in the flesh. And they were there in their resurrected flesh. This whole idea that God is a spirit—I can tell you, God has a spirit. Uh, at the time that those scriptures were written, God the Witness was a spirit. Now I'm not, um, but I embrace the flesh, and you're breaking. I could not have come. I could not have come into the presence of the Father unless I had the Melchizedek priesthood and had been prepared to come into his presence. And the Father, the Most High, cannot restore the Melchizedek priesthood personally to a person in that temple, which never happened, unless you are prepared to come into his presence and you have the Melchizedek priesthood. I am so sick and tired of these Denver Snufferites and these other people that push this agenda. It is a false narrative. The fullness of the priesthood has to come before Zion is redeemed, and the Father has to do that, and there had to be a temple whereby the Most High could come to other end. And he might restore that, which was lost unto you, or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. Now, we do have to build a temple. That does still have to happen, but individually it can happen to certain individuals. Joseph Smith said that God gave the fullness to the the ancient prophets himself by the laying on of his hands, which happened to me as well, and I've been given the fullness, but I can't give it to you. Anyway, I'm going to mute myself. Go ahead, Emma.
2: Okay. Um, Continuing on. Covenant. Those in which the party binds themselves to the future performance of some act. A covenant which has for its object something annexed to, annexed to, or inheritance in, or or connected with land or other real property. Black's Law Dictionary, page 293. An oath usually pertains to one person's pledge or promise, where a covenant is usually an agreement between two or more parties. An oath is the bond attached to the promises of the covenant. There is an oath of obedience with the Aaronic priesthood, but the covenant and promises are attached to the Melchizedek priesthood. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As er, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abraham, or Abram, uh, but thy name shall be Abraham. (laughs) For a father of many nations I have made thee, or have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed, after thee, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a god unto thee, and thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all of the land of Canaan, Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their god. Page 74.
1: Anything, sir? No, just keep on reading. Well, I guess I could say something. Okay. Abraham was one of the noble and great ones in the congregation of the mighty. There is a hierarchy in the heavens, and it fits the hierarchy of the church. In the church, you have Jesus Christ who is over the first presidency of the church. The first president has two counselors who are his witnesses who go forth to prepare the way for him so that he can prepare the way for Jesus. Under his authority, there are 12 apostles who are supposed to be traveling elders. In fact, Joseph Smith said that their home is not to be in Zion, they're supposed to be traveling all the time and the 70s are supposed to go out and the 70s are also apostles at least they used to be when the restoration hadn't received a great big old apostasy and these 70s are supposed to be elders as well as the the 12 apostles and the 70s are supposed to go out to prepare the way for the 12 apostles to do missionary work this whole thing where there's 60,000 missionaries is just, it's not supposed to be that way. This is their whole, I'm going to change everything because we're going to do it better than God told us to do it because we're, we're going to lift ourselves above the throne of God, which is Antichrist. In fact, the very definition of that, it's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, but I digress. In the heavens... For this earth there was Jehovah our Elohim who was appointed under the direction of the council of the Elohim to come to this earth to show Michael how to create the earth. He is the first president of this earth and the father of Jesus Christ. Above him is, uh, well above the Elohim is God the eternal father and God the eternal mother. But going back down so you've got Yehovah who is over This earth You've got Michael who is the first president And holds all the keys of authority And he's got his two witnesses Who are his messiahs Or his anointed ones That is Jesus Christ And the witness who I am Under us We have twelve Who are mighty and strong ones Who are like the apostles Who go forth in different ages Of the dispensation. And under them are the noble and great ones who are seventy apostles who come at different times in the history of this earth. Abraham was one of them. Go ahead, Emma. Okay.
0: Uh
2: I um,
3: Are you getting some kind of feedback? Emmett? Uh thank you. Emmett. I think something's wrong with your mic. Muted again. Now I can't hear it. Mark, can you hear that? Can you hear me? I can hear you now.
2: My headset was dying, so it was probably having issues. Um, okay. Unfortunately, I left the charger in the car, not the van. So uh, I'm just going to read like this. 74. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep, between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man-child in your generations. He that is born in the house, or, brought, or bought with the money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed, he that is born in my house, and he that is bought with the money, must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Genesis seven fourteen or no, Genesis 17, 1 to 14. This ancient covenant of the priesthood involved two parties, God and Abraham, and even extended to Abraham's posterity. Both parties made promises. God's promises to Abraham. Abraham would be a father of many nations. His name would be Abraham, no longer Abram. He would be fruitful and his seed would be numerous. Kings should come from his lineage. A great amount great amount of land would be given to him and his prosperity as an inheritance. Abraham's promises to God. He would walk before God and be thou perfect. Pertaining to him in his seed, every man child among you shall be circumcised at eight days old. In effort to keep his part of the covenant, Abraham, age 99, yeah? It's really what?
1: hard to understand you. I can't hardly understand what you're saying. What happened to the headset? It died. Seriously? I can understand where him. Is your, where, I can't. Where is your headset, much?
2: To my left, right here. I don't have a cord or a plug for it.
1: Okay, I thought you were using the earbuds. Oh, so no. from now on you're not I allowed have to the use earbuds. The Do you want him to
3: have the earbuds?
1: Well, I just can't understand what he's saying. So, um from now on you need to plug in the headset in the office and leave them alone because it is for the radio show not for you to use all day long and let them die.
2: And then I just don't have a charger. It got left in the car when I went to the A C P thing.
1: Okay, whatever. Um, Well, it would be charged. I can talk on my headset all day long. These headsets have batteries that last forever. So it wasn't charged enough. Whatever. It doesn't even matter. Um, Did you drop off? Because I dropped the call, and I saw in the studio that you dropped the call, too.
2: I don't think so. It didn't look like it was my studio. I didn't see that know.
3: I've been able to hear him the entire time.
1: Okay. Yeah, I couldn't hear him. And then it said he dropped, and then or there was electrical noise right before that happened, and then I got kicked off, so I didn't know if. And I could see Kim was still on, but I, I don't know. Whatever. Real quick before we go on, um, we have powerful enemies. If you raise up your head to oppose the devil's kingdom and the lies of the uh, of the apostasy, uh, Satan's going to come after you and he comes after us. I've had Illuminati uh, people who are in the Illuminati contacting me. Uh, we've had death threats, and God actually, the reason I went to Florida I wanted to go back to Utah after Everett, and God told me, do not go back to Utah. There are people there who are looking for you, who want to kill you. And I was like, uh, okay, so I went back to Utah to pick up my friend, and we got the heck out of there. While I was in Florida, not long after we got to Florida, my mom told me that two men in suits knocked on her door, and were looking for me. And she noticed that they watched the house for, I don't know, a couple days or a couple weeks. I don't remember. It's been a 2000, that was in 2011, I think it was. So I don't know who they are, but even before I started doing this, they were looking for me. So, um, you know, they don't want this information getting out there, and they shadow banned me. Uh, and Satan and, Jesus, uh, and his angels, uh, they uh, tell people, oh, you don't need to listen to that guy. And most people listen to them instead of listening to what I have to say and then seeking out revelation and inspiration and all of that to know the truth of all things. You know, So, yeah, we have powerful enemies, and so when we have issues on these programs, that's part of it. The reason I don't have anything in my name with my address attached to it is because I am an enemy to Satan and to the Satanic Empire, where they call themselves Illuminati, and also um, enemies that have uh, come into the church that have gained ground in the church as uh, leaders in the church and uh, yeah they know they've known who I am since 2004 so anyway um, actually well Gordon B Hinckley knew who I was before that but the rest of them knew after that my grandparents actually were friends of the Hinckleys Uh, my grandparents served seven missions for the LDS church And uh, my grandfather was part of the missionary department. Um, He helped to uh, do some really very effective missionary uh, teaching programs back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So anyway, um, I'm going to mute myself. I just was wondering why I couldn't hear Emmett, but because he doesn't have his headset charged. So, that sucks. Anyway, all right, I'm going to mute myself.
2: Yeah, normally I would even have it plugged in while I'm doing it, because it can, like, charge while I'm doing it, because I charge my phone and tablet, like, all the time. Um, But anyways, uh, I believe I had gotten done with... Oh, which line was I on? I just got to the top of this page. Okay, in an effort to keep his part of the covenant, Abraham, age 99, was circumcised that same day, as well as his son Ishmael, age 13, and all men of his house, or all the men of his house. And now we're on page 75. Anything to say, Dad? (laughs) I'm going to continue reading because you like just talking. Okay, (laughs) just
1: keep reading. Thank you.
2: When Abraham was 75, God had made a similar covenant with him and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Or, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis twelve two to 3 But this covenant between God and Abraham did not start when Abraham was 75 or 99. Its inception was before the foundations of the earth. The P of uh, I think I don't know. Abraham one three and three twenty three. Man, that abbreviation is so weird. It's P of GP. Moses also referred to both an oath and the covenant when talking to the children of Israel that thou shouldest enter into the covenant with thy or the Lord thy God, and into his oath which the Lord thy God maketh with thee in this day. Deuteronomy twenty nine nineteen. And God also covenanted with Moses and the Israelites. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab. Beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Um, and uh, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen upon you, and thy shoe is not waxen upon thy foot. Ye have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, so that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. And when ye came into this place, or unto this place, Sion, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us into battle. And we smote them, and we took their land, and gave it for an inheritance unto the Red Knights, uh, and to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh? Keep, therefore, the words of this covenant, and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. And now we're on Manasseh. page 76. Manasseh. Okay.
1: Manasseh, okay. or Manasha. In Hebrew, it's pronounced Manasha, but in the Gentile world, we say Manasseh. Anyway, I am turning right currently on the mine road and going to be going up into the void, so... Uh, if I don't respond when you get to the next page, that's why. But I will try to be on as soon as I can get back on.
2: Okay. Have fun going into the Aether. Okay. Page 76. You stand this day, all of you before the Lord your God, your cap- captains of your tribes, your elders, and your officers, with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and thy stranger that is in thy camp, from the hooler of thy wood, unto the drawer, drawer drawer, of thy water, that thou shouldest enter into covenant with the Lord thy God, and into his oath, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today, today for a people unto him, so, and that he may be unto thee a God, as he hath said unto thee, and as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Deuteronomy 29one to 5-13. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God listed over 30 wonderful blessings that would come to the Israelites if they would obey those oaths and covenants. But if they failed to honor them, he listed over 100 curses that would befall them. The oath and covenant of the priesthood came down through the Old Testament prophets. And after John the Baptist was born, Luke records... And his, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord of God or the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father of the hand of our enemies, no, which he swore to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that would be delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him with a fear, without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child of John, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord, to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke one to 67-79. Page 77, anything to say? Mom, Dad, anyone? Cat has to No, you're doing a good job, Emmett. Okay. Well, the cat had to say meow, and he said that. So, I'm continuing on. In our day, we can still enter the same priesthood covenant, which entitles us to the same blessings. And though we cannot claim these promises which were made to the ancients, for they are not our property, merely because they were made to the ancient saints. Yet if we are the children of the Most High and are called with the same calling with which they were called, and embrace the same covenant as they embraced, the money of our Lord as they were. We can approach the Father in the name of Christ as they approached him, and for ourselves obtain the same promises. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 66. Yeah. When a man receives the Melchizedek priesthood, he automatically enters into a covenant with God to obey the laws of that priesthood. It is not a matter of wanting to receive a separate, a separate revelation explaining and endorsing such a covenant. The following three references clearly explain this concept, um, and also, all they who receive this priesthood receive me, saith the Lord, for that, or for he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth my Father, and he that receiveth my Father shall receiveth my Father's kingdom. And therefore, all that my father hath hath, shall be given unto him. And this is according to the oath and covenant which belongeth to the priesthood. Therefore, all those who receive the priesthood receive this oath and covenant of my father, which he cannot break, neither can it be moved. But whoso breaketh this covenant after he hath received it, and altogether turneth therefrom, shall not have forgiveness of sins in this world, nor in the world to come. DMC 84, eighty four thirty five to forty one. Uh page seventy eight. Dad are you there? I'm gonna take that as a no. Okay. Those who have received or have received this priesthood have covenanted with God the Father and he with them. A compendium. Richards and Little, page sixty seven. Every person upon whom the Melchizedek priesthood is conferred receives his office and calling in this higher priesthood with an open covenant. covenant uh, The covenant is to this effect. Man on his part solemnly agrees to magnify his calling in the priesthood, to keep the commandments of God, to live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of deity, and to walk in paths of righteousness and virtue. And second... God, on his part, agrees to give such persons an inheritance of exaltation in Godhead, in his everlasting presence. The oath is the solemn attestation of deity, his sworn promise, that those who keep their part of the covenant shall come forth and inherit all things according to promise. Mormon Doctrine, Bruce R. McConkie, page 480. The Ocean Covenant of the priesthood requires obedience to all the laws of God if a man wants to receive all the blessings promised. This priesthood covenant says nothing about making a promise with any mortal, no matter what his his position, nor does it state that we must follow brother so and so or president so and so. This this covenant is between God and man, not man and man. In the following passage, Hugh Nibley is talking about the covenant. The covenant involved in the law of concentration But the same conditions are true in any priesthood covenant But the covenant is made by the individual to the Father in the name of the Son A private and personal thing A covenant with the Lord Approaching Zion, Nibley, page 468 Thus man should make his priesthood covenant direct with God And certainly never with anyone that would prohibit him from making and keeping those covenants Breaking a covenant with man is a crime, but to break one with God is a sin and much more serious. We're on page 79. Are you there yet, Dad? (laughs) Uh, I heard static, so I'm going to continue on. Um, Page 79, I just said. Among the many laws of the Melchizedek priesthood that man covenants to obey when he receives the priesthood are, first, preaching to the gospel. Second, gathering the elect. Third, baptizing and rebaptizing the saints. Fourth, helping the poor. Five, blessing and healing the sick. Six, doing temple work. Seven, performing necessary ordinances. Eighth, conferring the priesthood on others. Ninth, giving the law of consecration slash united order. Ten, living celestial or plural marriage. This is where the keys of the priesthood enter the picture. As the necessary keys are needed to accomplish and fulfill priesthood laws and covenants, they provide the means to take action, to open the doors allowing a person to keep his part of the covenant. But when certain priesthood keys are not used or are used improperly, they can be taken away and even turned against him, thus preventing him from honoring his part of the covenant and releasing God from fulfilling his part. When the saints broke their covenant and failed to keep the law of Zion, United Order, in Missouri, the Lord kicked them out and did not allow them to redeem Zion at that time. They then failed their attempt, or then they failed their in their attempt to live in Illinois. So the Lord allowed them to be driven out into the wilderness. The Lord revealed to Joseph Smith in 1834. Uh, this is on page 80. Is anyone there other than Mom? <laughs> um Mom, are you here? Can you hear me?
3: Yep, I can hear you. You're doing a good job, Emmett. Um, We're just plugging away at all this stuff that has to be done before 8.30 in the morning tomorrow.
2: Yeah, okay.
3: Um, And I have been listening. You're doing a really good job reading. I just don't have a lot of commentary, which is probably why Mark is the one who... uh, (laughs) who has this calling Um, I do get impressions and stuff sometimes. And then I have way too much to say, I feel like, (laughs) but um, yeah, not right now. Um, I hear oaths being um, talked about earlier a little bit, but I didn't comment when you were talking about the oath and that just reminds me of um, a lot of times people say um, swearing is against the law. You shouldn't swear. And then um, when they're talking about that, they're actually talking about swearing oaths and uh, covenants um, against, uh, like, the will of God. Um, So he says you shouldn't swear oaths, um, and that's what swearing comes from. So every time I hear that word, that's what goes through my mind. But that was talked about earlier, and that's what I was thinking about. Uh, But I don't really have anything to say on this topic right now, but
2: you're doing a good job reading, so thank you. Thank you. I had something that Are I thought about. about. It was just like, oh, it was just like relating to the ocean concentrations. It reminded me of that thing that dad talked about, about how the oil, like the, I believe it's concentration they do with oil. How before they would like take a bath with oil. Now they just do like a couple of drops on your head. Yay. <laughs> well, they don't
1: even do that anymore.
2: They just
1: touch your head with nothing on it. But, um, I don't know if there's a bunch of background noise, but, um, yeah, like, this whole, so, mankind has a problem with making up rules to go around the law, or the covenants, or the commandments, or whatever, and uh, they like to make up things, and then they say, oh, God wants us, this is a command, if you're swearing an oath, that is not swearing, there is no swearing. Oh, it drives me nuts. This whole idea that, oh, you you can't say that because you're swearing. I don't know. Anyway, i, I got to get off this. I'm uh, muting myself.
2: Okay. Well, I believe I was on page 80, so I'm going to continue. Therefore, inasmuch as some of my servants have not kept the commandment of the United Order, but have broken the covenant through the covetousness and with same words, I have cursed them with a very sore and grievous curse, for I, the Lord, have decreed in my heart that inasmuch as any man belonging to the order shall be found a transgressor, or in other words, shall break the covenant with which ye are bound, he shall be cursed in his life and shall be trodden down by whom I will. D.N.C. 104.4.5 It took a couple of decades for the saints to try again, but once more they failed. (laughs) When the United Order was dissolved in 1834, it was through no pressure from the outside, but because of greed and hypocrisy uh, hypocrisy, covetousness, and with same words DNC one hundred four four fifty two. <laughs> with in the church, Brigham Young revived it again. The Brigham Young Academy at Provo was founded for the explicit purpose in his words of countering the series of Huxley and Darwin, or of Darwin or of Meow Miles. My- Ah, you don't remember how to pronounce his name. And the false political economy which contends against cooperation in the United Order. Approaching Zion, Nibley, page 171. Brigham Young had established over 300 separate orders, but by the 1890s, they also had been dissolved. And certainly, a BYU student does not hear the living of the United Order promoted on the campus today. And when was there a time in the past century when the principles of the United Order were Advocated in the LDS General Conference This is just one of the priesthood covenants That has obviously been broken Another part of the priesthood covenant Includes the law of plural marriage Regarding this law The Lord said I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant And if you abide not in that covenant Then ye are damned For no one can reject this covenant And be permitted to enter into my glory EMC 132-4 And we are on page 81 Anything to say, Dad?
1: Yep. Uh, okay. So DNC Section 132 actually contradicts Jacob. DNC Section 132 came out in the 1850s after Joseph Smith was alive. Joseph Smith said if it contradicts the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the, do- the Doctrine and Covenants that he had while he was alive, set him down to hey, a... Hold on. Yeah, there's room for one. Anyway, um, but Doctrine and Covenants section 132 contradicts the Book of Mormon. In that, in section 132, David and Solomon are completely fine, except for the fact that David decided to, you know, have Uriah killed so he could get Bathsheba. Okay. Well, Jacob says otherwise, and. What David did and Solomon did was something called multiplying light, which is against the torah the law of God so you know they they, they were there was con- oh come on hold on
2: okay anyway
1: there was uh there was he They were guilty of breaking the Torah law, which is kind of talked about a little bit in Jacob, you know. So they were guilty of more than just doing the Uriah Bathsheba thing. Okay, now, Brigham, he took things, and he changed them around, and he spliced revelations together, and he added his own crap into it. I'm sorry, the church was rejected. Now, I used to have a really huge problem with Brigham Young, and God told me that Brigham Young was a servant. But he's not perfect, and he did things that were wrong. But I am not to judge him because I am not his judge. So I'm not going to judge him. But I do have a problem with, with Section 132. Now, I know that plural marriage is a thing that, that is in the Torah, and I have asked God personally about it, and I got a huge vision of what the whole, uh, the whole thing with plural celestial marriage is. And I understand it's the true doctrine, whether or not Brigham Young did things right, he multi- Brigham Young multiplied wives, which is against God's law, which is still applicable. So anyway, I'm going to mute myself again. I've got to write some paperwork down.
2: Okay, well, I nearly hung up, but I didn't, so we're good. I'm um, continuing on. So um, I read that. Uh, one, right? DMC one thirty two. You talked about that. Marriage with one wife was only a part of the miscarriage, or the marriage covenant. <laughs> this new revelation included more than one wife. Franklin D. Richards elaborated. The latter day saints claim to be the children of Abraham. And if they are the children of Abraham, they will do the works of Abraham. It was difficult for men and women from all parts of the world who had lived in the monogamic monogamic order all their lives to accept this doctrine of the eternity and plurality of marriage. It was a new and everlasting covenant. uh, No, Journal of Discourses, uh, 26, 341. Monogamy was the first part of that covenant. Plural marriage was the fulfillment of it As Joseph S. Smith Explained The marriage of one woman to a man for time And eternity by the sealing power According to the law of God Is a a fulfillment of celestial law Of marriage in part But this is only the beginning of the law Not the whole of it Therefore whoever has imagined that he could obtain The fullness of the blessings pertaining to this celestial law By complying with only a portion of its conditions Has deceived himself Journal of Discourses, 2028. So important was obedience to, to this covenant that Wilford Woodruff said, "The leading men of Israel who are presiding, uh, who are presiding, over stakes will have to obey the law of Abraham, or they will have to resign." Life of Wilford Woodruff, Cowley, page 542. But the consequences of not living that law were more serious than just resigning one's church position. Woodruff continu- continued by stating that if we do not embrace that principle soon, the keys will be turned against us. Uh, Life of Wilford Woodruff, Sally, page 542. I did ID again. We're on page 82. Anything to say? I'm
1: about to go back into the void, but let me just So there's like a couple of different camps with uh, polygamy, which is what I was talking about before. You've got your people that are like, well, Brigham Young was a bad person, and he practices, so obviously that's a horrible thing. And I've I've read articles where they're like, Abraham wasn't a polygamist. God doesn't like polygamy. Okay, well, in the Torah, God actually has a couple of different laws that people are supposed to follow as to when you are supposed to take a wife, second wife. Um, or how you're supposed to live with multiple wives, uh, there's there's a couple of different places to talk about you know, these types of things. So obviously God had a polygamy for flesh marriage, uh, and if it was wrong, as they say it is, God would have prohibited it, but he didn't. He did Jesus Christ. Just because Brigham Young did things that weren't right, Uh, but then there's other camps that are like, we've had 30 wives, so why can't we have our 30 wives or whatever he had? Well, that's called multiplying. And Brigham, yeah. You're breaking
2: up. And you're breaking up a lot, uh, like a whole lot, probably because you're going into the void. So... um, I'm going to continue reading. Heber C. Kimball warned the saints that what would happen if they found fault with the covenant of plural marriage. Many of this people have broken their covenants by finding fault with the plurality of wives and trying to think it out of existence. But you cannot do that, for God will cut you off and raise up another people that will carry out his purposes in righteousness. Journal of Discourses, 108, or 4108. Uh, who among the Latter Day Saints today are finding fault with the plurality of wives? Who are they that are trying uh, to sink it out of existence? The answer is obvious. They are the ones who have themselves or have themselves broken these oaths and covenants of the priesthood. Brigham Young, at the time was the dedication of the Saint George Temple in 1887, it is accredited, or is accredited with saying, "Hear it, ye elders of Israel." and mark it down unto your logbooks, or in your logbooks. The fullness of the gospel is the order, the united order, and the order of plural marriage. And I fear that when I am gone, this people will give up these two principles. Truth, page, or Truth, chapter 3, page 166, or verse 166. His prophecy came true. After he was gone, the church did give up these two principles, but they remain as part of the higher priesthood laws. By giving them up, they broke their oath and covenant of the priesthood. The father is bound to keep his part of the oath and covenant, which he cannot break, neither can it be moved, D&C 8440. Therefore, the only way a covenant with God can be broken is on the human side of those bonds, and the consequences are severe. Whoso breaketh this covenant after he hath received it, and altogether turneth therefrom, shall not have forgiveness of sins in this world nor in the world to come. DNC 8441. Uh, we're on page 83. Anything to say, Dad or Mom? That doesn't know. Okay. Page 84. Or 3. Whatever. There are only a few sins that cannot be forgiven. But apparently this is one of them. Joseph Smith concurred with this. Acceptance of the priesthood, a serious matter. This makes a very serious matter of receiving this covenant and in, and this priesthood for those who receive it must, like God himself, abide in it and must not fail and must, and must not be moved out of the way. For those who receive this oath and covenant and turn away from it, And cease to do righteously and to be honored to this covenant, or to honor this covenant, who will abide in sin and repent not, there is no forgiveness for them, either in this life or in the world to come. Gospel Doctrine, 1970-71, Millennial PRSTP, Priesthood Manual, uh, PP209-10. President Spencer W. Kimball explained another way this Melchizedek priesthood covenant can be broken. The Melchizedek priesthood holders and those who have received their temple endowments have made further and specific pledges to do to work righteousness. The Lord has expressed the mutual pledges between our Heavenly Father and the priesthood holders as an ocean covenant. Suffice to say here that one breaks the priesthood covenant by transgressing commandments but also by leaving undone his deeds. Accordingly, to break the covenant, one needs only to do nothing. The miracle of forgiveness, Kimball, 96. Or page 96. In explaining further the seriousness of breaking such an oath. Government, Hi. Please
1: hold the phone up to your face and not on your shirt.
2: Okay. Thank
1: you.
2: Um, Okay. In explaining further the seriousness of breaking such an oath and covenant, suppose an ordinary citizen commits a felony and is caught. In court, he is found guilty of a crime and is subject to ten years in prison. If if an officer of the law was found guilty of the same criminal act, should his punishment punishment be more severe because he had taken an oath to obey the law that he broke? By the same reasoning, the Gentiles who oppose and disobey the law of God will suffer severely for it. But those who have had priesthood conferred upon them and then break the covenants and laws of the priesthood will suffer even more. Uh, we're on page 84. Anything to say, Dad or Mom?
1: I have something to say. So uh, a couple of years ago, the church decided to once again, for the I don't know, on million times, change things in the endowment. Uh, and you know, they just like to change things. They don't like things, so God gave it to us a certain way, but you know, they they sit above the throne of God and can just do whatever they want, that's what they think. The rabbis, by the way, they think that too. That's why they do what they do. But um they uh you know, we we make a covenant in the temple to live the law of consecration, which is the foundation for Zion's redemption and the United Orders, which is something that is very important to God for us to do. When we don't do those things, we are not keeping our covenant. In order for us to keep that covenant, the church has to have united orders. There has to be united orders within the church. If you're caught living in a united order and you're a member of the church, you will be excommunicated. Now, devil in the endowment says, all they who do not live up to every covenant they've made this day will be in my power. But we're not keeping the law of consecration at all. So guess what? We're in his power. i mean, business man. Oh, church. Okay, if you're, you're tithing money, I know, I'm at the top of Barrel Hill. I need to quit my job and just stop working, but I can't because... I'm already irritated anyway because the air or the heater won't turn off. And in order for you guys to hear me, I have to have the window up and I'm just a whole bunch of other things. But anyway, so they take your tithing money and they uh, because of something that Heber J. Grant did where he uh, got a uh, loan out on the temple block in uh, Salt Lake Temple, Manti, St. George, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. Okay, now they eventually paid off that loan, but the Security and Exchange Commission would not allow them to pay off the loan because the Babylonian, the, the Illuminati, they, uh, they had this thing where you had they had it set up where all the tithing money that the church collects goes into Chase Manhattan Bank, and they can invest it for two years. Joseph F. Smith, or not Joseph F. Smith, Joseph Fielding Smith, I think it was, he tried to get that all paid off so they could get out of debt and, like, get out of that, the sum of of the beast, which Daniel chapter 7 talks about, the face of the Most High being, uh, you know, worn down by the beast until the Ancient of Days comes. It's Father Adam, by the way. But, um, but... We can't get out of this thing, so all of your money that you pay to tithing goes to investment bankers at Chase Manhattan Bank, and then after two years, the money is given back to the church. And then the church does the same thing with it that the, the bankers were doing with it, and they take your money to invest in Babylonian businesses, which Joseph Smith said, it is a, a, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's against the mind and will of God to lay up another dollar for the building up Of Babylon the great But they do it all the time We're supposed to come out of Babylon That's, a, that's another thing that God has told us to do but Instead of coming out of Babylon We're helping to build it up with our tithing money Now if you Are paying tithing to that corporation You need to stop The tithing was instituted according to Joseph Smith For uh, helping the poor Which is what it is for Um but, you know, they're doing these other things with it now, and they've got billions of dollar, literally billions of dollars in the bank, and they they pay a tenth of the money uh, to humanitarian efforts in the bishop's storehouse. So, I mean, you can continue with the corporation, which are Babylonian businessmen who are wo- uh, wolves in wolf suits, which is, you know, a fulfillment of prophecy, you know, or you can, like, be obedient to God and his commandments and get revelation for yourself and stop it with this trusting in the arm of flesh. And another thing, too, Brigham Young, there's a lot of fundamentalists who will be like, well, Brigham Young did it, so obviously it's right, and they don't even worry about getting revelation for themselves. And Brigham Young, he did a whole bunch of things, so we're wrong in the sight of God, including faking revelations, which section 132 is. However, there is a thing about plural marriage. When I was asking God about what it meant, where, where was he before the Big Bang? I like, tried to work this out in my brain for a long time. I was like, okay, well, is he just in the void of nothingness? And then the Big Bang happened, because that's what we were taught in school, Big Bang. It's the beginning of it all. And we don't know what happened before the Big Bang, but uh, whatever. Okay. God took me up after I asked that question for a number of years, and I kept bugging him about it. He took me up in the spirit, and he opened up a vision in front of me as I was in space. And I saw this great cloud of light, and I came down into the cloud, and there were orbs of light. And God said, these are the intelligences. And he said, look, and I looked, and I saw one of the orbs of light flash, and it became two orbs of light. And God said, this is the beginning of the Spirit. We are all eternal, including God. Through a very long vision, he showed me that over the process of time, he learned how God, the Eternal Father, learned how to manipulate uh, matter and energy and a whole bunch of stuff. And he eventually learned to create this body that we have now. This is not what we looked like when we were born as spirits. We were orbs of energy, orbs of light. When an an intelligence becomes self-aware and it separates into two, it becomes a female energy or spirit and a male energy or spirit. That's the birth of the spirit. When the intelligence is not separated and the masculine and the feminine are together, it is eternal. But when the spirit becomes a spirit, it is not eternal. It can die. In order for two spirits to become one again, like they were in the intelligence, and to obtain eternal life, you have to be separated sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And I know some people are like, well, the Holy Spirit of promise is something else. It is not. I am tired of nonprofits telling me a prophet how these things work. I got it from God and get over it if you can. Now, when these two spirits are sealed together, a man and a woman, or a male and a female, they there is a, a bond that becomes eternal once again, like they were in the intelligence. And it is required for eternal life for the sealing of the Holy Spirit of promises, the same sealing keys that Peter had, that Joseph Smith had, and that I have. Later on in this vision, God showed me the existence. And he showed me that the elect, are they who never left the side of Yeshua or Jesus Christ. They are the elect. And there were many more feminine who were elect than there were masculine. And they qualified to receive the highest blessings. The ones under them did not. Only the elect qualified for that in this multi- in this probation period. And there are multiple mortal probations. We're not going to get into that at this time. There were many more feminine than there, were, than there were masculine. So because of that, God allows many female spirits to be, uh, well, female females, to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise to one election male. That is why God allows plural celestial marriage. That is what that is all about. Brigham Young took it to a different level, and he actually broke laws. Um, which have to do with the multiplying of, of wives. But Joseph Smith, he was sealed to many different women. Did he consummate those marriages? I don't think he did, and I don't think it matters. Because to be sealed doesn't necessarily to be, uh, to be married. But being sealed uh, husband to wife, wife to husband, and then being sealed to the keyholder— who is the one man on the earth who has been filled up to the Father or the Son, it creates a a chain to heaven and to God and to all that he has filled to. And it is extremely important But so many ex-Mormons or Mormons, they want to do away with things because they don't like something. And they assume that they're so correct. But let me tell you, In 3rd Nephi, it says that the the whole world is is led in gross darkness and error, except there were a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they too had been led in false doctrine by the precepts of men. That's all of you, all of you, every single one of you out there. I don't care what group you're in. I don't care what church you're you're in. I don't care what movement you're in. You believe in false doctrine. It is the doctrine of men mingled with scripture. You assume things, and you teach the things that you assume as doctrine, and that is how apostasy and iniquity happens. And it needs to stop. Anyway, I'm going to mute myself. I'm going into Sunnyside depth, so.
0: Okay.
2: I guess I'm gonna continue on. Okay. Um I think we were on eighty three. Oh no, we were on eighty four. Um where was I? Can't remember if it was on eighty four or eighty five. Um, do you remember? Oh no. By holding the priesthood, we are bound by an oath and a covenant that should not be broken. And the Lord said he would test us to see how determined we are to keep our part of the covenant. Therefore, be not afraid of your enemies, for I have decreed in my heart, saith the Lord, that I will prove you in all things. Whether you will abide in my covenant even unto death, that you may not be found worthy, or no, that you may be found worthy. For if you will not abide in my covenant, you are not worthy of me. DNC 98, 14 to 15. In a future chapter, we will determine if we, as priesthood holders, have been faithful in keeping the oath and covenant of the priesthood. Most Mormons fail to grasp an importance and importance of the blessings and the cursings connected to the oath and covenant of the priesthood. They do not fully realize the magnitude of the promises of the Lord upon his people who honor their covenant with him. The extent which the Lord will go in protecting someone who honors their oath and covenant of the priesthood it's related by Joseph Smith and recorded by Horace Cummings. Concerning the prophet's preaching, I have heard father say that although he was a powerful speaker and could hold his audience so bound, he, Joseph Smith, seemed to feel an inability to make them really comprehend what he taught them and showed them great anxiety to do so. Here are a few points that father heard him teach. It would have been contrary to the oath and covenant that belonged to the priesthood for Lot and his family to have been destroyed with Gomorrah. So the Lord sent an angel to get them out as Lot held the priesthood. The vision looms well, well, page 141. And we're on page 85. Anything to say? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no. Okay. It appears that when we break a covenant with God, we automatically have acquired one with the devil. A rejected covenant with God becomes a covenant with Satan. Isaiah mentioned the time when the priest and the prophet had erred in vision. They stumble in judgment. Isaiah 28, 7. The result is that your covenant with death shall be dis- disannuled. disannulled, And your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overswelling scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. Volume eight, or verse 18. He is referring to the leaders of the Ephemites. What will be the result upon the Latter-day Saints if they neglect, refuse, and oppose so many laws and doctrines that are part of our priesthood? According to the Lord, we do not learn that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven, and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness. They may be conferred upon us, it is true. But when we undertake to cover our sins or to gratify our pride, our vain ambition, or to exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men in any degree of unrighteousness, behold, the heavens withdraw themselves. God is no longer bound by the covenant. The spirit of the Lord is grieved, and when it is withdrawn, amen to the priesthood or authority of that man. His priesthood is no longer recognized by deity. And we're on page 86. Anything to say, Dad or on.
1: Kim, did you have
2: anything to say? He says no. I just heard her yelling. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, where am I? We just got to 86. Behold, ere is he aware, he is left unto himself to kick against the fricks, to persecute the saints, and to fight against God. D&C 121, to 38 it is just the nature of man, to, or of a man, to say this cannot happen to me, just to the other guy. But so each priesthood holder should seriously consider whether or not he is keeping his part of the covenant he made with God when he was conferred with the Melchizedek priesthood. And now we're on page eighty-seven, uh, the beginning of chapter seven. Anything to say, anyone? Uh, I got something to say. Yes, um,
1: the guest call in number is nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. That's nine one seven. Eight eight nine eight eight two seven. There is a chat room available for any questions or comments at this time. That chat room can be found at BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Fundamentally Mormon. You can find the link to that by going onto my Facebook page, which is Facebook.com forward slash Lazurus1977, and uh, that'll take you to the to the web page uh, where the chat room is. And the chat room is only available during the live show, so, you know, come on and use it now if you want to use it, or you can call in. But uh, Emma was going to read uh, the first part of the next chapter, and at the end of that, if we have any callers, call in and push 1, and that will let us know that you want to come on the air. You can give us your first name and where you're from. Do not give us your last name, and you uh, oh, know if you want to use a different name, that's fine. But uh, just give us a name and your uh, where you're from, and then what your question or comment is, and then we will mute you and answer the question or comment, and then unmute you and uh, see if there's any follow-up that you have. So. Uh, Okay, um, the next chapter, um, I didn't take a look at it. I kind of did, but I really didn't. Um, What's the next chapter called?
2: Um, It is called Biblical Keys, and there's a bunch of little sub-areas in it. That's kind of cool.
1: I'm sorry, I'm breaking up because...
2: It's called what biblical.
1: Okay. And are there a list of things that they're going to go over in the first page or two of that uh, chapter?
2: Yeah, uh the first page is actually just basically a table of contents for the chapter. <laughs> it's Okay. Like just go ahead and yeah.
1: just go ahead and read the first two pages and then that'll give people if they want to call in time to do that and then if not then we'll end the radio program so I'll mute myself and go ahead and just read two pages do not pause for me to make a comment until the
2: end
0: of the second page thank you okay
2: this is like a really long chapter it goes from page 87 to 129 <laughs> so
1: <let's> start. 87 <laughs> uh, chapter- to 129 Oh my gosh, yep. this is going to be a multi-parter. We'll do 15 pages a day, I think. We'll see. All I right,
2: go I ahead, could like, I could totally, like, read a half of this in the remaining radio show time if I said read and didn't stop for mistakes. <laughs> Anyways, continuing. Um, we are, by the way, we are on page 964 of Ensign to the Nation, uh, Volume 2, and we are on... Chapter 7 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 6, called Biblical Keys. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy three sixteen. For an analysis or breakdown of the term keys, biblical scholars have used an outline similar to the one below. This is supposed to help solve some of the problems connected with the keys, as mentioned in the Bible. Thus, this chapter will be organized as follows. First. Uh Jesus gives the keys Uh Number one subsection One Peter and the keys Subsection two binding and losing Subsection three dangers and warnings Subsection four The rock of revelation uh, Two or second Views and perspectives Subsection one true and false agents Subsection two uh, Scope of the keys Subsection three functioning with priesthood keys Third data Subsection uh, 1, related passages on keys. Fourth, conclusion. Subsection 1, the power of keys. Subsection 2, agencies of power. All right, uh, that's the end of page 88, continuing on. Sub, uh, section 1, Jesus gives the keys. Subsection 1, Peter and the keys. Very few keys are mentioned in the Bible, but when Jesus said to Peter, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, uh, the Keys of the Kingdom of Heaven, Matthew sixteen nineteen. It became the most contra- or contested, controversial scripture of the Protestant and Catholic churches. Biblical scholar James Hastings wrote, In ecclesiastical history, the phrase is associated primarily with the so-called privilege of Peter, upon which the dogma of pat- or papal supremacy has been built but also with the delegated authority of an official priesthood. This doubt, or this double promise, like the one in the preceding verse, that was made to St. Peter so personally, can be uh, can hardly be doubted. The question is as to what it means. Hastings, Discourses of the Bible, uh, 549. Most you know, scholars have stumbled over this passage and have arrived at many different interpretations. Some so strange, they don't seem to refer to the passage at all. Elder Bruce R. McConkie noted this, too. In one of the most abused and misinterpreted passages in the whole Bible, Jesus promised to give Peter certain keys and powers which would enable the ancient apostle to build up the church and kingdom in the meridian of time. The millennial Messiah, McConkie, page 124. And referring to the same passage, there is no more stubbornly contested conception in terminology international standard standard bible uh enc 3 1794 and now we're on page 89 that was two pages anything to say dad
1: no and i don't think we have anybody in the studio can you refresh it and just check real quick Uh
2: uh-huh we have two people in the studio those two people are you and mom Because we're your
1: biggest fans.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: okay, Man, well, I guess that's the wild. end of the program
1: for tonight. Uh, did you have anything to say about any of this summit? Not...
2: Um, not really. <laughs> uh, other than wow, this is a really long chapter. Even in like the Enzymes to the Nations, it's from page nine sixty five to nine seventy six. <laughs> Which is, like, what? ridiculous. It's about ten pages long in the end so no of the information It's the actual pages of the book.
1: Oh, okay. Hold on, I'm climbing a wash
2: plant. He's climbing a hill, guys. He's climbing a hill. <laughs> there's a cat in there. Uh what? You, oh, you're breaking up.
1: Luckily, this I know because I'm climbing Wash Plant. Luckily, this hill isn't that long, uh, big, so I only get down to 30 miles an hour on this hill. So, all right. Well, um, I just want to say that uh, you know, for those enemies out there who think that uh, polygamy is a horrible thing because bad men do bad things in polygamy. Two things. If the polygamists hadn't been forced to go underground, the people who were being abused might come out of it quicker, Uh, but they think they're going to get in trouble because polygamy was a felony up until like two years ago. Uh, And then number two, you wouldn't say that about monogamy. You guys out there, you're all like, oh, monogamy is so great, but polygamy is so horrible because in polygamy – There are horrible people that do horrible things. Well, guess what? In monogamy, there are horrible people that do horrible things as well. I mean, duh. Uh, We've known people, uh, and the person I'm speaking of is a piece of trash, but he's dead now and he was a polygamist. And his wives are lucky that he's gone because he was abusive. He was a jerk, you know. But that happens in monogamy too. However, we know
2: more. Polygamists I broke up a bit. I heard and that, and then you said, however.
1: We know more polygamous in healthy relationships with adult, adult, consensual adults that um, are perfectly healthy and good relationships. You know, and if a polygamous man is abusing one of his wives or two of his wives, the wives can actually gang up on him and get the heck out of it. But because of the laws, they're scared to do that because they can be charged with a felony. It's the stupidest thing. The Constitution is supposed to guarantee the religious right and prohibit the government from creating laws about religion. Okay. But, you know, they can have their mistresses and their, their whatever concubines in Washington, D.C., but, oh, God forbid somebody uh, marry more than one woman in polygamy. And, okay, another thing, too, I've got to say this. If there were more elect men than there were women, it would be polyandry. And polyandry is a thing as well. There is polyandryous relationships that are valid in the eyes of God. Like, take for instance, God the Father, Michael, was married to Miriam, who the Gentiles call Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Yeshua. He consummated that ceiling and had a child with her. His name is Yeshua, who his mother used to call Yeshi. Yeshi. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but she was also sealed to Joseph, uh, Joseph, her husband. So, there's a polyandrous relationship right there. Now, when two two individuals are sealed by the Holy Spirit of Promise, and they are sealed by the law of adoption to the Father, that is a polyandrous relationship as well. And in fact, all of you men out there are brides. We are brides of Christ, or brides of Messiah. So anyway, well, I guess I'm done for tonight. We'll be back on tomorrow with the beginning of that next chapter. Thank you, Emma, for reading. You can go ahead and cue the music and uh, take care, everyone. God bless and goodbye.
2: Goodbye, everyone. Have a good night.